We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. And welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening. Glad you're up late with us. We're talking Christmas movies, Christmas traditions. Uh, What are your favorites? 314-436-7900. Steve's been holding through the break. Hey, Steve, thanks for joining us this evening. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, My favorite, well, family favorite uh, Christmas movie has always been Meet Me in St. Louis. And they, when I was growing up, they played it. They would play it around Christmas time. It was my mother's favorite movie. She never missed it. And I, it's one of my favorites as well, chiefly because of Judy Garland. I love Judy Garland. And in the end, she sings Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And it's it's just magical. It, it is it. magical. and uh, And that movie really spans... A lot more than just Christmas, but it is viewed as a Christmas movie, I think, because that song was so popular when uh, Judy Garland sang it. Yeah. Well, I mean, she just, oh, my gosh. I mean, nobody sings Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas the way Judy Garland Mm -hmm. did. And what's interesting also, Steve, is that earlier a person called in and said uh, The Shop Around the Corner was one of their favorite Christmas movies. But then Judy Garland was also in a version of that. So she's done a lot of Christmas-themed Movies, but that one I think is particularly a favorite of folks here because it it takes place in St. Louis. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. My mother, just, my mother, and her her mother, my grandmother, when they, she, they, she was still alive, you would hear them talk about the addresses and the areas, mm-hmm. and my mom and grandmother would talk about that. <laughs> Interesting. Oh my gosh! So yeah, in St. Louis, it really is. I mean, it because these places existed. The addresses, yep. you know. I mean. Gosh, it's a, just incredible. They sure did. Well, hey, Steve, um, thanks for sharing yeah. that. That's very nice. I'm glad you called in this evening. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Hey, Doug, Merry Christmas to you, sir. Hello, I'm here. Merry Christmas. Very good. What's one of your favorite Christmas traditions? Christmas tradition. Okay. I grew up in Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Land of the blonde hair and the blue ears. And cold feet, because it's free. It's, right. it's like, right. uh, it's crazy cold in, in up there right now. I know. I was, I was born in that kind of a condition. So huh. anyway, our, one of my traditions growing up was I grew up in a, in a Norwegian community uh, called Sundberg, Minnesota, small town. And in these communities, we observed some of our Norwegian traditions. And one of them was called Eulabooking. 
J U L E B U K K I N G. Eula Bookie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. J U L E B U K K. You can look it up on the internet. They gave a good description. What it was, you get about uh, two or three families together, including kids, adults, uh, probably a group of 10. Then you go to some of your neighbors, all dressed up in crazy costumes with masks, crazy clothes. You make your own mask out of long underwear or something. And you go and you, you let your neighbors try to guess who you are. So these, they're called Eula books. They stand around the kitchen table. And then the people you're calling on would try to guess who you are. It's done between Christmas and New Year's, usually after 8 o'clock, between 8 o'clock and midnight. <laughs> and Interesting. Are in bed, I've never right. heard of that. So look it up on the internet, J-U-L-E-B-U-K-K-I-N-G. And is that, does, that still, does that still happen? I mean, yeah. do you have relatives up there that still honor yeah, this tradition? Yeah. Right, right. I did it just a few years. I'm a minister, and I actually did it in seminary. But I was a seminary student with some of my family members. It's great fun. And wow. again, I've never heard of that. I, I will look down, that up. Yeah. If I did it down here, people would call 911. They, <laughs> <laughs> they put you in a straitjacket. Anyway. Or, th- yep. or think that you're mistaking it with Halloween. But, uh, hey, Doug, right, thanks for right. sharing that. That's right. an interesting, okay. interesting you. tradition. Thank you, sir. Okay, take care. Okay, right. Goodbye. As I'm, as I'm driving in this evening, uh, and obviously I was driving through the snow, and it, it reminded me, and I've, I've told this story before, but I only tell it when it snows. And that is when, when I was a kid uh, in high school, one of my story or one of my jobs was working at the local radio station in town. And I... I didn't have any experience. I just went and applied at the in this town, southern Illinois, a uh, little more than 5,000 people, no TV station. This was you know, before. This was in the 80s, so there was no functional Internet. And so literally the only way that people knew if there was school the next day, the only way was listening to the station. It's no longer in existence, but it was WFRX in West Frankfort, Illinois, 5,000 watts, about the size of a hairdryer. So I'm on the, I'm working at night and it starts snowing. And the process and the procedure was that the school superintendent would call the radio station and tell you whether school was canceled for the following day. So if it was snowing, everybody in town was listening to to the radio station. It was the only way to find out after school the next day. Well, I'm working one night, it's snowing outside and the phone is not ringing. The superintendent is not calling. There's nothing happening. And I really wanted there to be no school the next day. So the thought suddenly occurred to me that I could go on the air and say there's no school tomorrow and there would be no school tomorrow because no one would be at school because that was the, again, everyone went by what was heard on the, on the town radio station. And so for about 60 seconds, I was filled with this sense of power that I could cancel school the next day. All I had to do was announce that school was closed. And as I was dealing in the throes of my temptation during a commercial break, I realized that, you know, I better not do that. That's it's, it's lying. It's not truthful. 
And by the way, I'm going to get into a lot of trouble. But for one day at school, I would have been a champion. I would have been a hero for a day at school, but I chose not to do it. But uh, that's a lesson on yielding not to temptation. But I still thought of that as I'm driving in this evening and driving through the snow. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, of course, we don't have any interviews this hour. So I would love to hear your favorite Christmas movie, your favorite Christmas traditions. But as you heard at the top of the hour, the January 6th Commission has issued their final report here just about an hour ago. And I'm going to break down legally why I think this is not a political, I'm not slamming the committee. I'm just telling you that this is a political act because legally it's really not going to hold water. So we will break that down before the show unfolds here this evening at 10 o'clock. Thanks for joining us this evening here on KMOX. Don't go away. Merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. It's interesting. I got a text. One of the many texts we've gotten this evening is about uh, telling, reminding folks to bring your pets. If you got an outdoor pet or outdoor dog or cat, make sure that you bring them in tonight because it is really cold. Uh, so don't forget to do that. I, I grew up and I had hunting dogs uh, who were, we kept them outside. And when it got this cold, we would bring them into the basement because, you know, it's cold even for a hunting dog with big, thick fur. And so it was really funny bringing in dogs that aren't pets who are normally kept outside, and you'd bring them into our basement, and they would, you know, they just didn't, they, they were in, in heaven, and they didn't know how to handle it because uh, they didn't get to spend any time inside. So that was kind of funny. But, sure, if you've got pets outside, make sure uh, that you get them in because it's it's going to be below zero tonight. So don't let your pets stay outside. One of the things that was mentioned in the top of the hour news from CBS News was that the January 6th committee issued their final report 
and it was published here about uh, an hour or two ago. And as most of you have heard earlier this week, the January 6th committee sent a recommendation to the Justice Department recommending that Donald Trump be charged with various crimes, including uh, the crime of trying to overthrow the government. So I mentioned this because I, I, I wanted to look at the statutes that were referenced by the January 6th commission and look at this not from a political perspective, not to say, oh, the January 6th committee is a witch hunt, it's a political witch hunt, and they're just trying to get President Trump, or saying, oh, well, President Trump just wanted to overthrow the country. Not from a political advocacy position, but to see, do these charges have any merit legally? And also to discuss why, from my perspective, why I think these charges are framed the way that they are. So I'm not going to go through them all because I don't want to bore you to sleep. But I do want to mention this. Because all of these charges, there's various charges uh, under Section 18 U.S.C. of the United States Code, talking about overthrowing the government, overthrowing the country. But all of those crimes require something that's called mens rea. What does mens rea mean? Mens rea is a fancy Latin term, which essentially means you have the intent to commit a crime, and then you commit it. In other words, there has to be uh, a, a pre-existing desire to commit the crime, and then you carry it out. Now, let me give you a quick example. If someone steals a candy bar out of a 7-Eleven, they see the candy bar, they think about, okay, I'm going to steal that candy bar. The person takes it, sticks it in his or her pocket, and, and he or she runs out the door. That shows mens rea. The person saw it, acted upon it, committed the crime. But if you've got a kid with a backpack and the backpack turns around and hits the uh, display rack and a candy bar falls into the back of the backpack, it's still leaving the premises with an item. But there's no intent to steal. So that would lack what's called mens rea. So I'm, I'm not trying to make your eyes gloss over with legal jargon and concepts. But I want to make sure that when you hear that President Trump has been charged with insurrection, the statutes that are listed in the recommendation from the January 6th commission all require mens rea. It all requires that President Trump intended to commit insurrection and then did it. Now, why is that important? Because if I'm giving a speech... And unbeknownst to me, I accidentally say some word that causes the crowd to go into a frenzy. Like I remember when I went on a, on a mission trip once with my church to Mexico, we were told certain words you can't say in Mexico because to them it's curse words and they'll get all upset and we could start something if you say these words. So if I'm giving a speech and I accidentally say a word unintentionally that causes a, a riot to break out, I certainly can't be held responsible for that legally because I lack the intent to cause them to riot. It was just an accident. But if I'm giving a speech that says, go and burn this house right now, and then everyone goes and burns that house, at least in theory, I might be able to be held legally responsible for that. 
So I wanted to break that down for you because when I look at these charges, particularly the one of insurrection, and I look at the words that President Trump used, I'm not advocating on his behalf. Uh, I've actually never voted for President Trump. But as I look at what he said, there's nothing in the words that he used that could ever be classified legally as an intent to cause a riot. Zero. Now, when the January 6th commission was first formed, I had a lot of complaints about the way it was picked and the people who were on there and you couldn't bring out adverse witnesses. You couldn't cross-examine witnesses. So it's the, the phrase kangaroo court certainly applies to this situation. But even having said that, if you look at what they were charged to do, I told you right here on KMOX when this started that to make a plausible case of criminality on the part of President Trump, the main thing that had to happen was this. There had to be some evidence of coordination or linkage between President Trump personally and like the Proud Boys or the other organizers of the Stop the Steal rally uh, to actually cause violence as opposed to simply having a protest that got out of hand. And I said legally you had to have that to even hope to hold President Trump criminally responsible for what happened on January 6th. So we've gone through these months and months and months and months and months of hearings. I've reviewed the evidence. I've been watching it. I've been looking at the highlights. And as I reviewed it yesterday and today, I still see nothing. In fact, we've gotten no new information literally since the beginning of these hearings. And the damage that was caused by those who were rioting was horrific. It was wrong. Many of those have been criminally charged and prosecuted, and I'm glad they did it. And for those who actually had plans to start a riot, those individuals as well have been charged and even convicted, I think, in at least two instances. Now, I'm not sure those convictions are going to stand on appeal, but they've certainly been convicted of the charge of insurrection. But when you look at President Trump, the words that he used, there's nothing that would even come close to falling under this idea of criminal speech. Now, why do I say that? There's a very famous case that came from the U.S. Supreme Court. It came out in 1969, and it's called Brandenburg versus Ohio. Very famous case. And this case from the Supreme Court is the case that establishes this idea that free speech needs to be protected, even if it's speech that, you, that we as a society reject. So Brandenburg in Ohio in 1969, he was a member of the Ku Klux Klan, and he was advocating. He was actually spewing anti-Semitism. He was spewing racist messages, and he was suggesting that people should go and commit harm against African-Americans and Jews. Now, that didn't happen, but he was advocating it. And so he was arrested under Ohio law that said it's against the law to advocate violence against these groups. And he was arrested and charged and convicted. And his case went up on appeal, and it appealed all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme Court overturned those criminal charges. And in doing so, what the court said is, is that, 
there must be an intent to incite, and I'm quoting, imminent lawless action. So even if President Trump would have stood up and said, I hate this country, I want the government overthrown, I want this uh, every member of Congress to be overthrown, I want this country to be violently overtaken, and then it happened, that in all likelihood, even that would not be enough to convict a person for insurrection when it comes to just their speech, not their actions. Because there's been no evidence that I know of that President Trump has had organized or participated in organizing anyone to overthrow the government. It was a protest, and these things happen every day. And in fact, the strongest words that I could find that President Trump spoke on January 6th was, we're going to fight like hell. We're going to fight like hell. Those were the strongest words. But yet, how many times do we hear that phrase? We hear it in basketball games. We hear it at football games. We hear it in baseball games. We hear it in, in, in the context of acts that don't involve actual fighting. But it's a phrase. And at no point in time did President Trump say, although he did say, I want you to march on the Capitol, at no point did he say, I want you to march on the Capitol, I want you to break in, I want you to take uh, Nancy Pelosi hostage, I want you to do violent acts. There were none of those types of directions. So legally speaking, I just cannot see in any way, in any way, that there's any connection legally between what President Trump said and what actions were taken by the crowd on January 6th. So I think at the end of the day, much like President Trump's uh, impeachment, both of the impeachment proceedings, I think these, this is ultimately going to fail. And uh, I've got just a couple of minutes here, but before we take a break, I want to mention why this is happening. Because to me, it's crystal clear why this is happening. If you look at the 14th Amendment, in fact, I talked about this uh, with Carol Daniel here on X yesterday morning. If you look at this at the 14th Amendment, Section 3, it specifically states that if any person engages in insurrection or rebellion against the United States, then that person is ineligible to serve as a senator or a representative in Congress or an elector or hold any other office, civil or military, under the United States. So it's clear that the intent of the January 6th committee is to find President Trump guilty of insurrection and by doing so invoke the 14th Amendment, Section 3, to prevent him from becoming president again. Now, again, I'm not advocating in support of President Trump, but I'm letting you know that that legal theory is extremely, extremely tenuous. Now, why do I say that? Very briefly, if you look at Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, The last sentence of Section 3 says this, But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, remove such disability. Disability meaning you've engaged in insurrection against the United States, and you can remove that provision from Section 3 of the 14th Amendment by a vote of two-thirds of Congress. Well, that's actually happened. In fact, it's happened twice, at least from my count. It's happened on two separate occasions. But the most recent was called the Amnesty Act of 1872, where 
two-thirds of Congress voted to remove that disability if, if a person commits an act of insurrection against the United States, they're no longer eligible to serve or hold office. Congress removed that in the exact manner as prescribed under the 14th Amendment. So if you look at all of the hurdles that has to get over, in addition to one other major hurdle, the Constitution specifies that you have to be a certain age and you have to be a citizen of the United States to be president. But if you look at the 14th Amendment, it doesn't say that it specifically applies to the president. So applying the Constitution, it would seem like that uh, that part, Section 14, cannot override Articles 1, 2, or 3 of the Constitution that specify the qualifications to become president of the United States. I lay all that out for you for this reason and this reason only. If anyone thinks that this in of itself legally is going to prevent President Trump from becoming president, it's a near impossibility. Now, politically, it very well may could because people have already turned. We saw that the Republicans are really turning against President Trump in large measure. Uh, His candidates did not win in the November election. And so it may have the political impact of preventing him from being president, but it won't have the legal impact of blocking his presidency. Hey, we got to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll cover this and more, including your Christmas traditions, 314-436-7900 on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. You better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why. You know, it just occurred to me, if Frank Sinatra tells me I better watch out, I, I'm going I'm to do that. Uh, his ties to the mob were notorious. And if, if, uh, if old Frank is telling me to watch out, uh, I am going to do exactly uh, what old Blue Eyes tells me to do. Welcome back to At Your Service. We've got uh, some time here this evening before 10 o'clock. And one of the other things uh, that's come out today, which I think is interesting, is the omnibus bill. I've followed politics my entire life, and I always find these omnibus bills fascinating because they're must pass, just so you know. They have to pass. If you don't pass this bill, the government shuts down. Now, in my experience, the government shutting down has never been that colossal of a problem. The important things still happen. Everyone who's out of work for a couple of weeks, they always get paid retroactively. So they get, in essence, they get a paid vacation. So how, where's the harm in that? But everyone always gets upset when the government shuts down. Nevertheless, these omnibus bills are cer- certainly must-pass bills. So everyone packs them with pork. They pack them with the most ridiculous things that they couldn't get funded any other way. But when you get it attached to a bill that has to pass, it has to be signed by the president, it increases the chances that you get this funded. So I looked through this omnibus bill today, and I thought it was interesting. Rand Paul showed up with all, I think it was 45,000 pages of this bill, which was crazy long. And there are so many projects packed into this bill. And I think uh, I do want to take I want to take uh, Ed's call. Ed's calling in here to talk about something else. So I'll come back to this omnibus bill in just a moment. 
uh, because I, I asked Ed Golterman to give us a call. I talked to him earlier in the evening about one of his his favorite Christmas traditions, but he also wanted to, he also had an opportunity to sing with John Denver. And I mentioned that I got to sing with Andy Williams, which was really I was just a prop. I understand that, but Ed actually got to sing with John Denver. Hey, Ed, welcome back. Well, thank you. You sang in a bigger place on Grand. I sang in a hockey arena out in uh, Colorado Springs uh, many years ago when my son Danny played for the Afton, uh, one of the Afton teams. And as you know, when the Blues first came, they really connected with uh, the communities and the players were in Kirkwood and Afton and uh, Creekcore and all those places. So uh, we went out to a tournament in Colorado Springs, apparently the tournament uh, arranger knew that I was the anthem uh, vocalist for the St. Louis Blues. So he said, uh, when I got there, would you please give John Denver the lyrics to O Canada? You know, we want John to do the anthem. So I wrote them down. And this is at a kid, just so we understand, this is at a kid's hockey game. Yes, this, this was a tournament. This was a tournament, and I think the age group, could have been 9 to 10, 10 to 11, something like that. And believe me, the, the St. Louis teams did not, did not do great Oops. out there at that time. Uh, so I went up and found John in the stands. He's there in his blue jeans and, you know, uh, fluffy sh- uh, sh- uh, shirt. And uh, I said, I'm so-and-so from St. Louis. Here are the lyrics uh, to O Canada. He looked at me and he said, you do it. So I sang O Canada, and John Denver sang the national anthem, and we just kind of smiled and hugged. And that was pretty special for well, me. Well, sure. It's special on a, on a lot of reasons and, and on a lot of levels, Ed, because, number one, you actually sang with him. I mean, I was a prop. He, Andy Williams never saw me, but you were right there singing with John Denver. And he was uh, – talk about humility. You know uh, – there's some entertainers that just naturally were good people all the time. And he was, he was one of those very, very much so. And that, and that came through in what he did. I, I saw him interviewed so many times and he was so gentle, so nice. He, he didn't ever seem like the guy that, that, uh, that would be yelling and screaming at his assistant and making demands about the color of the M&Ms that he would want backstage. I mean, he wasn't that kind of a guy. Very laid back, very laid back. So uh, uh, music is, is brings people together on big stages and hockey arenas. <laughs> very good. Well, Ed, thank you so much for sharing that story. That is a fantastic story. Thank you so much. Take thank care. you, sir. Great to talk to you again. Yep. Uh, we, were, we were talking about the writers on this omnibus bill, and some of these are legitimate. Like, for example, we need a new FBI building. The, currently, the current FBI building is extremely old. It's decrepit. It's falling down. They're spending more money to keep that thing going than it would cost practically to build a new building. So Congress is funding $375 million for a new FBI building. That's fine. But when you look at some of these other provisions in this bill, you start to wonder why. For example... We are just now, as soon as President Biden signs this thing, probably tomorrow, we're going to be sending, we're going to be rather spending $230 million on border security technology plus 
$1.5 billion in border processing funds, but the $1.5 billion specifically cannot be used for border security. It says in there specifically, cannot the $1.5 billion cannot be used to acquire, maintain, or extend border security technology and capabilities. So they wrote it in such a way that the money could not. I guess they did that because our border is so secure. You know, our border, just as 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 Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas said, our border is secure. We do not have a border problem. Uh, and that's certainly because I guess that uh, the Kamala Harris is in charge of it. But my point being, without being facetious, is that there has to be an intent to give the border security uh, ICE, uh, immigration and control, $1.5 billion, but you tell them you can't use it for border security. Can't do that. The reason why this is so ironic is that there is border security money in this omnibus bill. In fact, Congress has allocated $410 million for border security. Unfortunately, it's for border security in the countries of Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Oman. So your taxpayer, your tax dollars right now are going to fund border security in Middle Eastern countries but is not going to increase the border security of our own country. You know, sometimes there's a there's a great meme. And, of course, I'm a Star Trek nut, but there's a great meme of Captain Picard who just does a facepalm. And this, my friends, is a facepalm. Hey, we've got some more stuff I'm going to get to here about this omnibus bill, but I want to take a break because I went long in the last segment. We'll be back right after this on At Your Service. Camwax. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Welcome back to Camwax, uh, our last segment of the evening. And I was talking about, uh, about some of these provisions of the omnibus spending bill and what's in there. And this is the kind of thing that drives rational people insane because you work hard for your money. I don't mind paying taxes. I want to pay the least amount of taxes that I legally have to to pay, but I don't mind paying taxes. I've been blessed with an income and I don't mind paying taxes for that, but I don't want to see that tax money squandered. Let me give you a great example of, of, the way our government treats our money. When my oldest daughter was six, seven years old, I took her and I took her to a, uh, she, one of her friends was having a birthday party at a roller rink. And so I dropped her off at this roller rink and I give her five bucks and I say, Catherine, here's money to get a hot dog and a soda at the roller rink because lunch wasn't provided at this birthday party, only the cake. So I give her the five bucks and I come back two hours later and I'm swing by to pick her up and she's coming out. And I don't know if you know what Billy Bob teeth are, but Billy Bob teeth are these fake teeth that you put in and it makes you look like you're missing teeth. And so my daughter, Catherine, comes walking out as proud as she could be wearing Billy Bob teeth that are snaggled 
and they're sticking out sideways, and it looks like she's missing some teeth, and she's wearing these things so proudly. And I came out, and she said, look what I bought. I bought Billy Bob teeth. And I said, Catherine, the, what, what did I tell you when I dropped you off? The last thing I said when I handed you this money was, don't buy anything stupid. Buy a hot dog and a soda. Don't buy anything stupid. And Catherine, as she's getting in the car, she turns her head and looks at me and says, but dad, Billy Bob teeth aren't stupid. And, of course, she was wearing the, the Billy Bob teeth. So uh, that's why she talked with a lisp. But my, but my point is, is that I was out. It's only five bucks. Who Five bucks, who cares, right? But I was outraged because it was five bucks that was totally wasted, totally wasted. I feel that way when I look at these omnibus bills, that we send people to Washington and they're spending the money that they forcibly extricate from our paychecks and they're spending it on Billy Bob teeth. Because our own legislators, in fact, our senator, one of our senators from Missouri, Roy Blunt, he's not going to be our senator much longer, but he voted for this thing. It included $70 million to study salmon recovery and $5 million to study the impact of roads and bridges on salmon populations. Now, last time I checked, I am no... A fish biologist. But the last time I checked, fish are in the water and roads and bridges are not. So how, how is our $70 million going for this? To me, that's a lot of Billy Bob teeth. It's a lot of Billy Bob teeth. And when we spend money to send to other countries to enhance their border security, but we don't spend any money to enhance our own border security, that's the kind of thing that drives people crazy. Because obviously our Congress recognizes that border security is important because they're sending money to other countries for their border security in the Middle East. Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, Oman. But the Congress, the current Congress, does not apparently recognize the need for border security in our own country. Here's another interesting thing, two more expenditures of money. And in the grand scheme of things, people say, well, our government budget is in the trillions of dollars. So what's a few million dollars here and there? And I understand that. But a million bucks here and a million bucks there, after a while, kind of adds up. And $7.5 million is going to study, and I'm quoting, domestic radicalization phenomenon, unquote. Now, our own current head of Homeland Security, Alexander uh, Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, said that the greatest threat to the United States right now is domestic terrorism. I don't understand how you can claim that domestic terrorism, which is wrong, which is illegal, it's immoral, and it's unethical. But how many acts of domestic terrorism are there? We can look at the border and say, in the last year, we've had 3 million people come across our southern border illegally. And the few acts of domestic terrorism are a greater threat than the 3 million people entering our country illegally. To me, 
that is just unimaginable how someone can hold that opinion. But we also have $3.6 million for the Michelle Obama Trail. It's a 3.8-mile trail near the Georgia State University campus in Decatur, Georgia. Uh, so, hey, we're going to have a Michelle Obama Trail. Now, what I don't know is, you know, do you have to wear sleeveless uh, clothing and demonstrate the extent of your biceps when you're hiking on that trail. I don't know. I've got to look into the details of that, but we'll see. The other thing is that we're spending our money on $3 million for B-friendly highways. Not B-friendly like I want you to be friendly, but highways that are friendly to the bees. So we're going to spend money on that. And the list goes on and on and on and on. So I'm not going to sit and lead this, read this list to you this evening. I just want you to understand and to realize how much of a colossal waste of your money happens every time one of these omnibus bills gets signed into law. Because no one reads them. No one looks at the fine print. They simply get signed and passed into law. In fact, I've gotten about four, uh, one, two, three, four, five text messages just in the last 10 minutes talking about how this is a problem, particularly with Roy Blunt, uh, now that he's going out of office. It's interesting that he waits until he's going out of office before he signs this. Hey, coming up at 10 o'clock this evening, you're going to want to stick around. It's the best of the Dave Glover Show right here on X. Also, uh, next Tuesday, I'll be filling in for Annie Fry over on 97.1 FM Talk uh, from noon to 3. So make sure uh, if you'd like to check that out, it's at 97. Point one on your FM dial. Brad Young here at your service as I am uh, usually on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday nights. Thanks for sticking around this evening. Don't go away. Stay tuned for Dave Glover. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.